0: all right everyone welcome to another episode of the Liam mccullum show i have clint russell uh from liberty lockdown on the show also known as reed coverdale's other half uh it was good to see you guys down in in florida um at revcon um it was cool that yeah, we could finally watch. make it this time
1: yeah i got to see my husband it's always always good to see him uh, don't see him enough to be honest especially now that he's banned off twitter it makes it very you know we have group texts instead of group chats it's just it just doesn't feel the same
0: yeah it was hilarious um the the day of liz cheney's election i was like i put out a poll i'm like how many of you guess that reed coverdale his twitter account will still exist tomorrow (laughs) after he reacts to it and uh he did get banned the next day but it was for uh violating their rule about like you can't make another account or something like that if you've been banned
1: ban ban evasion yeah yeah
0: well, I wanted to bring you on to talk about ESG. I've been meaning to get you on for a while, but now that I'm out of the university system, I have a better idea of what my schedule is like. So I figured Hell I'd yeah, bring man. you on. And um, Congrats again, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. And the the more I'm out, like I, I just realized how much propaganda was around me and how oppressive that was. Um, and thanks to J- James Lindsay and people like yourself, I was kind of aware of it and I was able to get through without being completely indoctrinated
1: so hey that that means a lot to me man i you know if i played any part in keeping you uh inoculated <laughs> no no pun intended from <laughs> from the propaganda you were experiencing that's awesome yeah definitely help um also
0: just to have this community because like i i mean i i became a libertarian my senior year of high school so i was already aware of the principles but to like actually meet people who were standing up to all of this nonsense it was it was very helpful um and sure. and people should listen to our earlier episode i'll link to that in the description just so they can kind of uh, learn a little bit about how you became a libertarian and how you uh kind of woke up during the the pandemic i know you were a libertarian before that but um yeah. you told your story and and i'll link to that here but today i wanted to talk about esg um you and i are both listeners and uh supporters of of dave smith and um, exactly. Something that he's been talking about for a while is kind of how after Occupy Wall Street um, corporations started to use intersectionality identity politics to kind of tear apart the Tea Party movement and the uh, the Occupy movement, and you no longer had like this 99% against the 1% anymore. Um, you have all of these different groups just, you know, vying for authority over each other. Um, and that was, like, a really great story, and I totally, like, I believed it, but I never really understood the mechanism and what was yep. behind it. And then uh, people like yourself and James Lindsay started to explain um, ESG, and it's like, holy crap, we have all There's of the, the moving mechanism. pieces now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, if you want to go ahead and and just explain uh, kind of how this started, what ESG is, and, yeah, just have,
1: um, take the reins and take that wherever you want. Sure. Uh, 2004, it was Kofi Annan, who was the, uh, I don't know, whatever, general of the UN at the time. Uh, in 2000, they had started this program. I I haven't researched this in a little bit, so you're going to have to fill in some blanks if you want the actual verbiage of things. But uh, 2000, they start this plan that's basically, you know, the Green New Deal via the UN. And 2004, he comes out with this uh, this paper where they, they concoct it's actually you know some college kid that that writes it but they they push it as their own and and the idea is that we're going to have we have to find a way to pair big business with government policy if we're going to alleviate the carbon emission crisis that's the whole basis that's the whole genesis of all of this um so you know kudos to al gore and his people they they successfully infiltrated the highest levels of governmental power And via the UN, uh, they implemented ESG, which is now, uh, you know, the vast majority of uh, investment capital that's being managed by the the biggest hedge fund managers on the planet are doing so with the pretenses of ESG guidance. So uh, E E being environmental, S being social, social justice is what it really is. And then government or or governance, it's uh, just like how your boards make up. Oftentimes it's equity quotas and things of that nature. Um, so it didn't really catch fire until much later than than when the Occupy Wall Street movement was uh, undermined. But it was like its framework existed all the way back in two thousand four, two thousand five. So a long time now. Um, and I think it was God. I can't remember exactly. Okay, so the the way it it the ball starts to roll is. Kofi Annan sends out this letter to the 50 biggest money managers and biggest big businesses on the planet and he says hey this is our idea what do you think and stunningly Deutsche Bank and Goldman Sachs and all the biggest guys they all respond positively and they say yes we're on board this sounds great which doesn't make a lot of sense but when you realize that we now exist in a you know global fascistic model where big businesses have to have uh, positive relationships with big government all over the world. If you want to do business globally, uh, it makes sense that they would say yes. I mean, what are they going to do? Say no, you know, and then then have uh, Goldman Sachs say yes and everybody else say no. In which case, Goldman gets all the business. Like no, so they all sign on, and then just progressively over the next fifteen years, it it starts to infiltrate the accounting practices, the the ways in which um, the the underwriters for investing at these biggest money managers are actually reading the, the, uh, the financial paperwork of, of the businesses before they invest in them. Like it, it, It's actually there now. Um, it, it also has infiltrated its way via social-emotional learning into the public school system. Um, there's a multitude of you know, mechanisms by which this entire propagandistic push for what amounts to a global Green New Deal has taken hold. Oh, you're muted, man.
0: Yeah, just just to break down the um, more about like that specific mechanism and, and what's driving this. What it, what is the actual incentive behind it? What is the um, what is why does Vanguard? Why does BlackRock and all of these money managers? Why do they want to do this? Is it merely that sure. the UN wrote this paper and they're merely following along with it, or is is it like it's this? Both. Okay. And then there's, there must be like some, is there force behind it or is the federal
1: reserve propping these things along?
0: Yeah. What, what's happening it,
1: there. It's basically, this is why I I've, you know, pled with the libertarians to be the vanguard of this, this defense, this movement, uh, because we're the only ones that really understand this stuff. And this is why I continue to go on these, these shows and tours, just talking to people about this stuff. Cause I know that we are the best people to fight this. Cause we really get it at a, at its base level. Whereas, Republicans, like God bless them, they're not going to understand this fully. It's just the truth. Um, so the the, the primary uh, mechanism for control is obviously access to central banks. So the Fed window is a huge one. If you don't have access to the Fed window as a money manager, you're basically DOA. You know, like you can't you can't compete because you you're able to borrow money, you know, at the overnight rate, which was at zero percent for most of the past decade. Like if you don't have access to that, you're in serious trouble. So that gives you a huge competitive advantage. So you have to play ball. You can't be some outsider just going. I'm going to compete on my merit, and you know, damn the consequences. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just stick to my principles. No, 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 no. You're managing billions and billions of dollars. Some of these guys manage trillions of dollars. Like, there's no way that you can actually, um, you know, stand apart. BlackRock, for instance, has ten trillion dollars under management. They've lost a trillion this year because the market tanked, but uh, they still have nine trillion under management. It's crazy amounts of money that we're talking about here. So. If you're managing that money and you're trying to make an outsized return, it's incumbent upon you, no matter what your beliefs are, to have a good relationship with the governments of the world. And the governments of the world are all on board with this, you know, climate change insanity. And I think it's insane. And I can, you know, probably we could discuss that further if you'd like, but um, it's really just an anti-human push. Anyways, so that's that's part of it. And then there's also um, the this the second you know, prong of, of how this attack took place is that the academia has programmed many of these people into being true believers. You know, there's many people out there, like the people that, that work in HR and, um, you know, hire and like hire and fire it within these corporations, they, they hold most of these beliefs themselves, you know, that, that carbon is a a crisis and that overpopulation is an issue and all this stuff. So it's, it's not a, you don't have to like coerce everybody you know not everybody is doing this just for financial benefit some of them genuinely believe they're saving the world and and <clears throat> what i want people to really understand is that for those people in particular their perception is that we're under such grave threat right now because of climate change that if you have to sacrifice say a billion people to save the rest of us it makes sense that trade off makes sense i think they're like their base Philosophy is totally off base because they're they're like what they're operating the information they're operating off is flawed. So they're making an assessment, uh, a risk assessment, which is fucked up, (laughs) to put it bluntly. Um, But when you when you believe you're working for the greater good, and you believe that if you don't do this, 5 billion people die, well, then, of course, you're going to feel justified in doing whatever you have to do, including lying, cheating, stealing, uh, coercing. So it makes sense to me. So it's both. It's, uh, you know, some true believers because so many people have been indoctrinated uh, via academia. And then there's the obvious financial drivers that come from, you know, the fascistic business model that we now have to deal with. Yeah, and
0: you, you've talked about how this has kind of like driven this. Um, is the term, uh, I think it's like pinkwashing where where corporations like put uh,
1: flags, like pride flags in their bios Green, or something greenwashing. like that. Greenwashing, yeah. that's right. Maybe for gay stuff, then it's called rainbow washing or something. But yeah. uh, greenwashing is is where they they lie about the stuff. I'll give you a great example. Uh, Core Civic is one of the biggest private uh, prison conglomerates in America. They were getting a bunch of uh, their ESG score was dropping because they had a bunch of reports about you know mistreating prisoners and things of that nature. And I shit you not, this is how they respond and they increase their ESG score. They don't they don't like Make sure that no one gets beat up by the guards. They don't. <laughs> they don't uh, lobby to get you know nonviolent offenders released from prison. No, no, no. They make sure two things. They make sure that their prison guards are diverse because that'll change everything. And number two, they put a mural of Martin Luther King Jr. in the yard where the where the prisoners work out. That increases their ESG scores. Is that a meaningful reform? No. Does that actually assist the people? that are in prison? No, it doesn't. It's just you know, it's just uh frills. It's building a statue. It's nothing. Um so this is that's greenwashing.
0: Yeah, and I, I heard that also Tesla has a low ESG score. Yep. And and if you consider like electric vehicles to be like the saving thing that's coming uh down the road, you know, like like right. you would think that they would have a high ESG score even though that there are arguments that even electric
1: vehicles yeah, you know increase from, carbon. From from their worldview, though, you would think Elon Musk and Tesla and basically everything he's doing would be the highest level ESG score because it's eliminating carbon. Um, but the reality is ExxonMobil has a significantly higher ESG score than Tesla. And Tesla's is based off of their governance score because they don't focus on hiring based off of racial quotas and things like that. And you know, Elon is is un, he's not favored by the elites. Um, so it's just a fraud. I mean, it's just to like transparently it's a fraudulent metric it it benefits allies of the political class and it punishes the enemies of the political class and that my dear friends is classic fascism <laughs> so that's what it is and uh i i just i really think that this is it's the biggest threat we face besides world war three it really is and i'm i'm so grateful that that more and more people are having serious discussions about this because it's been happening for quite some time now, and it's really got its teeth into not corporate America but the global corporate world, all of them. Uh, it's a big, big deal. And and you've mentioned that um,
0: Larry Fink has said that he will only invest in certain corporations that have highest ESG scores. Um, yeah. So he's the CEO of BlackRock. For those that don't know, yeah, and and. So exactly what's happening here is he essentially signaling being that BlackRock is like in partnership with the federal reserve. we learned that during the, the pandemic is he signaling that he will essentially on behalf of this free line of credit that he's getting invest in corporations that, that follow these certain agendas. Like, does it, it, it almost seems to me that like, whereas in capitalism, um, the consumer used to have the final say over what corporations do. Now we are supplanting that with the Federal Reserve
1: and effectively, they're the companies that they they fund. Yeah, and federal policy too. Uh, well, there's two important things to note here. First off, you your great thing to to mention to people is that yes, it's not just the access to the Fed window that matters. It's it's the relationship therein that you profit off of tremendously. Uh, BlackRock was put in charge of doling out i think it was all of the ppp loans uh, during the pandemic during lockdowns like you don't get that unless you are a very favored business you know you got to be like at the highest like number one on the list if you're going to get that job Um, and i'm sure it was highly lucrative no doubt about it so that's that's one aspect of it and and two larry fink doesn't actually manage he doesn't actually have 10 trillion dollars he manages 10 trillion dollars the vast majority of that money is ours it's pensioners. It's individual investors. It's just normal people to a large extent, um, but because you have now relied on them to manage your money, they get the voting rights and the voting rights uh, for for uh, shareholder meetings is what I'm referencing here. If if Larry Fink gets to you know weigh in when they own, I think it's like north of five percent of eighty percent of all Fortune 500 companies. Well, this man is extraordinarily powerful he's he's essentially like a plurality owner of almost every big business on earth at this point in terms of his voting rights so that's why he feels like a god and this is why he's able to implement his worldview in such a dramatic fashion um so much so that he sends out this annual letter to his uh his shareholders as well as you know all businesses on the planet where he says inside of it if you don't go along with, you know, a focus must always be on carbon reduction. Like if you expect any BlackRock bucks, this is what you got to do. Uh, and he says it really explicitly. I encourage anybody to go out there and read his uh, 2020, 2021, 2022 newsletters, but not that long. Uh, it'll give you a real insight into uh, how he you know, instructs the, the less powerful, but still very, very powerful. Many of them are billion dollar corporations to do what he says.
0: Yeah, and this kind of explains why like a lot of confusing things happen with business decisions like that the end yes. of, so like uh I think you mentioned in the past that um Gillette and and their decision to run that ad that lost them, I mean, count, you know, I, I don't even remember the figure, but certainly, like verifiably, it lost them a crap ton of money. I think it was during the the Super Bowl, it was a Super Bowl commercial uh, yeah. where they were just like they essentially trashed their entire consumer just men and they they were pointing out toxic masculinity and then another example um for probably my listeners uh being that i I have a lot of people from montana who are like blue collar workers and and truckers the gofundme example Mm -hmm. where where gofundme pulled uh the trucker protests donations that that they earned um
1: Uh, can i can i add one thing there yeah yeah yeah, go ahead What's also important to realize is that the the primary driver behind cancel culture um, or getting businesses to go along with it, it's not even the businesses themselves. Because, like, I don't think that GoFundMe really wants to do this. I don't think they want to take this this uh, this path. But payment processors, which all rely on the Federal Reserve, have basically just all in unison said, "If you don't." have a cancel culture mentality we will stop supporting you this is a uh, i have evidence of this too it's uh give send go which came in and supplanted uh, gofundme in terms of offering these services these uh, these fundraising services to these organizations which had been essentially blacklisted uh, through gofundme well then give send go Gets a you know call from PayPal and Visa and Mastercard and American Express and they say hey we're not we're not going to allow you to process payments if you guys don't also cancel these alleged fascists which are fighting for their fucking freedom in Canada you know so uh, it really it really does stem from Federal Reserve policy I, I I think that's the one thing that people they struggle to believe it but I am a hundred percent convinced that. It's not just Federal Reserve, but also federal government policy. Those, that, those are the two drivers behind all of this. And when we're talking about you know, big business, like the biggest businesses on the planet, and them doing all of this crazy stuff that their consumers despise, you have to realize like, why? You have to ask yourself why. I'm giving you the answer. Why? This is why.
0: <laughs> so do you know if the the losses that they're making because of these poor decisions with with marketing is it made up by investments from uh BlackRock and all of this or is it merely that they have enough control over the board that even if they're making losses and tearing apart their their company they're they're going to do it anyway just because uh these these the fed is essentially creating the metrics
1: and profit isn't one of them? Yeah. I mean, once again, it's it's uh, it's the same two things I said before, where it's like you have some people that are on the board that are true believers. Many, many people, millions and millions of people believe that carbon is the most dangerous thing on the planet and that we're all going to die. So you have some people that are willing to sacrifice uh, because they they believe it in their soul. That's certainly part of it. Um, But I think for the most part, when CEOs in particular of these businesses make these decisions that hurt their bottom line, what we don't see is the the consequences if they don't proceed in this path, because if your ESG score drops, because now Gillette has been labeled some sexist business and BlackRock State Street Vanguard all divest themselves of your, your shares, well, then your your market cap takes such a massive hit that you're saying to yourself, well, sure, I'm going to lose 20% of our consumers by taking this path, but I maintain- my share value, because otherwise I'm gonna get my my market uh, cap dumped you know dumped. so it's a it's a it's a gamble, you know you you can't know for sure which is gonna hurt you more, but I'm sure that there's the CEOs have to be quantifying this. They have to be sitting down with a calculator and their accountants and and their attorneys and everybody else going like, all right, which which path makes the most sense? And I think evidenced by the fact that almost all big business has gone woke. Uh, the calculus is that it benefits you to do so. And that is deeply problematic.
0: Yeah. And you, you mentioned before, I, I think, another podcast that states might actually be completely divested from by some of these yep. investment companies. Um, do you think that explains why like states like California um, today just announced that they're going to try to get rid of uh, all um Vehicles, I think, new vehicles by twenty thirty five, if they're not electric cars.
1: Oh, I didn't even hear that, but it doesn't surprise me. um Yeah, I mean, that's certainly part of it. I think also it's it's politically pal- palatable in states like California because you have a bunch of lunatic lefties that think that like carbon's the greatest danger. So whatever, what I already have a Tesla. Why shouldn't we vote for all of these poor people to also get one? <laughs> you know, like, like that's their their mindset. It's uh, it's insane, but. Yes, that is certainly playing a role in how both Republican and Democrat governors respond to these things because they're trying to get, you know, laws put on the books where ESG metrics are now important when it comes to state level decisions. So that this is why I'm such a fan of what DeSantis is doing. He just came out last week and they are now divesting all of Florida's state pensions from any. Uh, Money manager that implements it via ESG guidance that is Enormous because that's That's hundreds of billions of dollars Yeah that's rad Um, And it's also not unlibertarian You know like that's the coolest thing about it is He's actually doing the right thing he's just Saying hey we're not going to have you Deploy our capital in a way that's counter To our belief system that's what you Ought to do anyways that's what everybody ought to Be doing Um, so that Gives me a lot of hope that there is there is Both a greater risk of States being hurt by ESG, but the states that recognize it early enough are going to benefit tremendously. I think that that the, the future of the economy in Florida, as long as DeSantis is in charge, is going to be like blindingly bright <laughs> because, you know, I don't know if it's him or if it's his advisors or whoever, but whoever is rolling this stuff out, it's absolutely ingenious because there is so much uh, pent up demand for anti-woke business practices that you will see a flood of corporations into Florida for that that protection too. I, I think it's going to be a, a godsend for the people of Florida. Are there
0: any um, smaller money managers that are pushing back against this and and trying to like compete with the larger ones? And yeah. um, I mean, how, how successful
1: are they? There, I mean, there's none that I'm aware of uh, that that have existed historically because this is a relatively new phenomenon in ter- in terms of like, them actually explicitly stating this is what they're doing. We have an ESG fund. That's what we do. Although these funds go towards ESG stuff, uh, which by the way is also a lie because it's it's only I think like twenty. I, I, it's like half of the the money that's in those funds has to be put towards ESG or something like that. Maybe it was eighty percent, seventy five percent. I can't remember. I read a long time ago. Um, so that's also bullshit because if you if you genuinely believe that this is like the most important thing in the world, you're going to say, oh, obviously every dollar in here has to go towards ESG business. It can't. You can't have 20% go into oil and gas production. Like, that's crazy. Um, but that's how it works. So it's a fraud. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so as far as new competitors go, yeah. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's who's probably like, he's, he's the second most influential person on me in terms of like wrapping my head around this. Because I, I read his book a while ago. I think it was called Woke Inc. And he really... He he doesn't go deep enough, to be honest. Like you gotta, you should probably just listen to my show if you want to go as deep as you need to to understand this stuff. Because he's still, he's very much a moderate, and he's still a businessman. He's trying to like go along to get along to some extent, so he's not going to tell you the real truth about you know the origin stories and things like that. But nonetheless, he does do a good job of highlighting uh, many of the issues with it, and he's creating a competitor to all of the biggest money managers, and it's called Strive Capital Management, and they. Literally in September, so a week from now, they're going to be taking in funds for a ETF that is basically anti woke, anti ESG. um So I'm I'm rooting for him. You know, well, we'll time will tell because uh, I think he's going to get very politically unfavorable treatment, and I would be surprised if he can succeed in the face of that. But there is a populist revolt against this stuff that is starting to blossom, thanks to people like James Lindsay. And uh, we'll see; time will tell.
0: Um, so, I was just thinking, like, with often what you hear from people who promote ESG is that uh, we should favor stakeholders instead of shareholders. But what with you had mentioned earlier, um, with what you had mentioned earlier about how uh, the Fed is essentially and, and Larry Fink essentially has, you know, the the majority share over these companies and has somewhat of a say over how they they control their business it, it's not even that like there is any way for there to actually be like stakeholder capitalism it's that there will be share shareholders who try to represent stakeholders so it's it's and all in score all in
1: scare quotes like they, right that they, they don't care in my humble opinion they don't care at all about like here's another example for you um vanguard in or no excuse me it was state street they had an investment in a uh, a company in africa that there was terrible sexual assaults that were happening like on the plantation it was some sort of food production and their response to that was not to you know fire and get the the sexual assault people prosecuted their response was to build a statue across the street not even across the street but like 20 feet away nose to nose with the bull on wall street And it's this little girl. And it was like the brave, brave girl or something is what it's called. And they're like, that's that's how they remedy both uh, payment disparity between their male and female employees, as well as a bunch of sexual assault cases. Like, it's just bullshit. (laughs) It's not actually alleviating any of the issues that the woke people care about, which is why the greenwashing thing is such a big deal. and and why they need to realize that even if you believe that carbon emissions are are this incredible existential threat, you're still not getting help here. This is still not going to give you what you want, not to mention all of the reasons you're wrong and you're going to starve to death because you're now cutting back on food production and you can't sustain life on this planet without it, not to mention oil and gas, which allows for our entire economy to function, which means uh, once again, you're going to starve to death, not to mention you're going to have inflation because of it, which means you can't afford food, which means you starve to death. All of this amounts to you starving to death. So you're just stupid for believing this in the first place. But even if you believe it, even after I just explained all of that to you, still it doesn't get done what you want to get done because these guys are just interested in crushing their competitors. That's really what this is about. It's just a a mechanism for them to use their relationship with government to further oligopolize their position. That's what it is.
0: Yeah. And, and you had mentioned earlier um, that you think all of this is evil. And, and I've, we've talked about this on Twitter, just in some Twitter threads before where I've, I've just asked a basic question, like, why shouldn't I regard, um, all of these green policies as genocidal like give me one reason why um all of these policies shouldn't be regarded that way considering that every single thing will result in genocide essentially uh (laughs) in the third world like if all of these are implemented globally people will die Um, not just the third world
1: either brother like you could see people freezing to death in germany this winter like this is imminent man and and You know, they're they're not they're progressing very aggressively. They're they're shutting down the the remaining nuclear power plants in Germany this year. You know, while you're looking at the in the face of I think it was 700 percent increase in in gas costs to heat your home. It's it's absolutely suicidal. This is the problem is that so many of these people are true believers. They honestly believe that carbon is going to kill us. So they are willing. They are sincerely willing to sacrifice incredible numbers of people as well as just immense suffering for the rest of us um so i'm very nervous man i I honestly yeah i can't give you one good reason to argue that these green policies aren't ultimately genocidal i i deeply believe that these people are malthusians they state it openly all of them they all say that the planet is overpopulated all of them say that like the, the only reason i trust elon musk at all is because he's the one guy who's happens to be the richest man on the planet who's saying that this planet is terribly underpopulated and that we are you know our our growth rate is diminishing we're about to have a population collapse he's absolutely right he is absolutely right we will we will suffer unimaginably if we allow for especially with our socialist model where we have all of these unfunded liabilities that you have to you, the only way you can possibly sustain our financial system is to continue to have an increase in your population so that you have more young people that are paying more taxes to sustain the unfunded liabilities of the elderly as they retire. All of these countries are headed down the same path of, of depopulating and ultimately becoming insolvent. It is going to be a catastrophe that no one is prepared for, and very few people are even aware that it's coming. It's, it's incredible to me. It's incredible to me that, like, just basic understanding of Austrian economics and human nature and history. And I'm able to predict, like, look like I have a crystal ball, you know, like I I don't, I don't, but I promise you, I'm right. Like you cannot continue on this path without immense human suffering. So uh, it's up to the people to rise up and say no more. You can't take us down this path any further. We are not willing to die for your, you know, Malthusian belief system. It's insane.
0: Yeah. I had a, I had a professor who, I mean, his his class had nothing to do with this. I'm not going to say which class it was because I don't want them to track him down and, and get in touch with him and say that I said this. But um, this professor just out of nowhere one time uh, he, he was talking about climate change. And then he goes, yeah, I have I your generation is the first generation where I really have hope because our planet cannot currently sustain the population. And I was like, did you seriously just say that to a, like a whole auditorium of students? Like, I I just don't understand what motivates it and and i i guess that's just kind of what what my question is is like do these world economic forum people do do they really want mass death is it possible that that their secondary the secondary consequences of all of these policies which would result in in death might actually be a primary motive or is it just that these people are like technocrats who think that their models are right that they will be able to like save these people and provide green energy for these yeah. people um i like i don't know
1: uh, well, as, as with both California, as well as the, the BlackRock analysis, it's the same thing. You have, you have both. You have true believers that, uh, that are technocrats that deeply believe in their intellectual superiority, and they sincerely believe that their models are correct. And then you also have you know, Malthusians that, that believe that the planet is overpopulated for whatever reasons that they, they can justify that. And then you also just have people that realize this is where the game's at. This is where the money funnel is leading. You know, there's been enormous amounts of money to to be made by following this ESG uh, Ponzi scheme for the past couple of years. So it doesn't surprise me at all. You know, it really doesn't surprise me that it's taken over, you know, once you understand all of the incentives, that's the main thing that, you know, economists and a lot of, uh, you know, political analysts are terrible at is just understanding human incentives. The incentive structures, and this is what's so brilliant about the people that created this ESG scam was that they understood the incentives to, to get big business on board with this so um, I think it's both you know I think I think there are some people that really think that the planet is overpopulated uh, but the, I just want to emphasize it's they're wrong that if you believe like there has been doomsday prognostication from people that believe the, the planet's overpopulated my entire life and much much prior to that for a very very long time and their predictions have always been wrong because they always underestimate human innovation. They never believe that we're going to find that new, uh, that new energy source, that new mechanism to like fracking. Fracking completely changed the entire uh, concept behind whether or not we were uh, running out of oil and gas. And it also made America, you know, for a time, a net oil and gas exporter. <laughs> Can you imagine? Um, so they're just wrong. And, and the more people you have, on the planet the more brains you have working towards problem solving it ultimately like quantifiable you can just predict that if you have more people you have and you like say these problems are real and there are obviously many sincere economic or excuse me uh environmental issues but the the answer to that is not central planning it's decentralization and population growth allowing the the incredible ingenuity that exists within say one percent of human beings to problem solve this stuff and and allowing the profit motive to solve these problems because there is profit to be made. So it's uh it's very dangerous man if we if we allow the technocratic you know top down control and problem solving to deal with this like just consider this for a second. If you think that this is an existential risk, who's the last fucking person on the planet that you would want in charge of it? Like Joe Biden and the and the Democrat party? Like no like so even if you think that this is ultimately like the gravest risk that we face which is nonsense because we're on the cusp of world war III, but some of you believe that you have to you have to look at how government handled covid for god's sakes like do you think that that, that worked out like do you think that if you give them all of the money and, and power and control that they are going to you know eliminate carbon emissions it's nonsense. It's never going to happen. It's never going to work. It's insane. It's a, it's an insane belief system on both fronts. So I'm just imploring people to wake up before it's too late.
0: Yeah. And this this kind of gets to like the the beauty of Austrian economics and like praxeology and the idea that like humans are not things that you can just place on a model. They're not like this uh, static force that like if you if you just like model out with all things being equal, all things being constant that we will have a population bomb, as Paul Ehrlich put it in the '60s. Mm-hmm. Like, like no humans adapt, and they have, and that's that's why we're at the top of the food chain. And like, yeah, yeah, and and I think and that they, it's and just they
1: respond, they respond to incentives. I mean, look, look at what happens when you have a more affluent civilization; they stop reproducing. You know, that's so. Like, part of allowing capitalism to flourish alleviates your concerns about the population bomb or, or boom or whatever you want to call it. So it's like, these people are just detached from reality, man. It's really crazy. And it might, it might actually get to like the
0: Malthusian idea that like, if you do think that humans are just things that can be inputted, like you can just input right. them into a calculation then they really are just numbers and they're, they're quantifiable and, and there's nothing really valuable or like nothing yep. behind them other
1: than just like what the model represents yeah well that that's why i i view these people as communal fascists like they're they're really communists at their core because they believe in global governance that's what that's what's necessary if you believe that carbon is going to kill us all you have to have a global government there's no other option you know because you're well i mean the the other option obviously is to innovate your way out of it but from their worldview that's a impossibility so we only have the option of Basically making a global government, which in that case, you can justify going to war with China because they're not reducing their emissions nearly as fast as we are. We're actually, we've gone down significantly. Well, they've like doubled and tripled. So yeah, I mean, it's it's the most dangerous worldview imaginable and uh, and it is Malthusian. It just is. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm I'm wondering a little bit about um, the World Economic Forum and if there's any like verifiable verifiable link that like Klaus Schwab has to ESG metrics and if if like oh, it's yeah. okay. So it's not just speculation that their interests align. It's like he is actually aligned with this and and a part of it.
1: Oh yeah, the, I mean the World Economic Forum is the the primary uh, mechanism by which they get the biggest money managers and biggest businesses on the planet together annually in davos where they all get up there and they you know they kiss each other's asses and they talk about how great they're doing um but those those you know well i mean i guess i do have to extrapolate a little bit and guess a little bit but they have because they have behind the doors meetings where they create uh deals between the biggest businesses with the the governments to decide on what how they're gonna progress in eliminating carbon emissions and things like that but they talk about it openly i mean uh Claude schwab uh sits i mean obviously he's the top of the world economic forum but if you look at the 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 board members of the world economic forum it's like all of the money managers and all of the biggest businesses and they they go and they speak there it's like this is not this is not a stretch for people like i know i know it's hard to believe because it is such a such a, a massive conspiracy but it's it's in the open you can go research it yourself like it's absolutely true
0: yeah, and, and specifically with the World Economic Forum, do you think that it is also um, kind of the same exact thing where there's there's true believers and then there, there's uh, financial motivations as well? Or do you think there's also some like um, nationalistic thing going on here? Because it seems like the World Economic Forum is against U.S. hegemony, or at least I've heard that argument before, where it seems like everything is about taking down the, the dollar. Some people have even said that it's for European hegemony. But is it that they actually just want their own hegemony, and they they want corporate interests to be at the top, or how, how do you they, assess that?
1: Yeah, I think they just want you know complete hegemonic rule, and I, I, they these people are you know supranational. They don't they don't have allegiances to countries. They have allegiance to what I perceive to be a communist ideology. That you know it's going to be this technocratic communist elite that believe that they know what's best for all of us, idiots Normies, and they're going to implement it however they have to. And you know, they're the only reason that they you know work with the big governments of the world is because they realize like that's that's how they can use the force of the state to implement their will. It's brilliant. I mean, it's what you ought to do if you have, uh, you know, intentions on global conquest. Uh, But no, I don't. I don't think it's about nationalism personally. But I mean, it has greatly enriched these people. I mean, they are. They have benefited tremendously by this stuff because their relationship with the printing press is just so powerful. I mean, how could you, how could you possibly fail? You know, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get rich. I mean, you're ultimately they are going to fail because it's central planning and the people will rise up. You're already seeing it. Sri Lanka just fell because of ESG. Uh, Denmark looks like it's about to have a revolution because of it because they're trying to cut nitrogen use and fertilizer over there, and um, the farmers are realizing that oh, you guys are going to put us all out of business. Like we we see the writing on the wall, and now they're rising up. Thank goodness. Because the rest of us are going to starve if they don't. Um, you see it in much of Latin America. You have revolutions that are popping off because of uh, inflation and sh- you know shortages of goods and things of that nature. Uh, it's they're going to fail, but in the meantime, they're going to get very very rich.
0: Yeah, I have I saw Edward Snowden tweeted something like, um, "For all of you people who are saying th- that you won't eat the bugs, like you definitely are, um, because they're just going to put them in the food," and and I think that this is the esg is exactly how they will do it if they are able to accomplish yeah, it before yeah. they fall is because 100%. there's there's going to be incentives behind the scenes saying um if, if you want investments uh you've you've got to you know in in the name yep. of climate change you've got to put bugs in in the food and and replace it
1: with replace red meat with with bugs um, and the, and the government will will give them some sort of pass to to not declare or to you know obfuscate with some Orwellian phraseology as to what they're actually putting in the food, it would be like now green friendly burgers, yep. you know, like whatever the fuck. <laughs> it's good. I mean it's going to be uh, for for those in the know, it's going to be you know gaslighting to the extreme, but they'll they'll downplay it, and all of a sudden you'll be eating burgers that are sixty percent cricket, and you'll be like, what? The, how did this happen? Um, I don't think we'll get there, honestly. I think that this this will implode before that. that's my estimation i could totally be wrong obviously um but i think that the the economic malfeasance is so stark and so severe at this point that we will have major economic upheaval and ultimately civilization turmoil in the near term that will prevent us from getting anywhere near you know their their end goal um i mean god willing we'll see
0: We, we talked about this last time um But do you do you foresee them trying to implement a uh, digital currency before that as like their last hail mary?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think honestly, I think that there's a good chance that that's why they reopened, like why they stopped the lockdowns because they realized that we were going to have a complete economic implosion, um, and they weren't ready for the CBDC yet. So, like, I'm putting on my you know evil totalitarian devil hat to you know, to try and uh, just evaluate this stuff. Like, what would I do? Like, if I knew that the people were about to rise up, what would I do? I would kick the can. I would use the central banks to kick the can, delay the day of reckoning economically so that I could further uh, study and implement the, the central bank digital currency. It just, it makes perfect sense to me. So I, I think that, you know, as, as much of technocratic idiots and true believers, many of these people are, there has to be some advisors in their ranks that are saying, look, the track that we're on, Is going to end up in revolution so we have to have the cbdc ready so that we can then implement universal basic income which will subdue the vast majority of the masses because they will realize like this is the only way i can eat so i'm not going to rise up i because otherwise my bank account will be shut down so i think that's their intention but uh i hope that enough people realize how how perilous essential bank digital currency will be that they'll just they'll reject it outright but if, if they're poor, and they're starving, and their only mechanism to get food is accepting both UBI and CBDC, well, then all bets are off.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it will fundamentally come down to states like Florida, and hopefully Montana, um, yeah, just right. nullifying this to whatever extent possible. Like, um, I, I, my high school civics teacher who got me into libertarianism, he just got elected at the legislature in Montana. And he's like, I mean, I don't know if he would call himself this, but he's He's like a Rothbardian, like he listened to Tom oh, yeah. Woods and everything like that, um, and and we've talked about you know implementing uh, uh, like repealing legal tender laws or perhaps rerouting federal taxes to the state treasury, um, different things like that uh, that that can hopefully just put a stop to this before, yeah. um, and, and also other things like defend the guard, like the Montana legislature and the Libertarian Party are going to propose that um and hopefully things like that will will
1: just take the empire down. Yeah, well I think I think that that's what's going to happen actually is that as the empire is collapsing, which by the way it's collapsing right now. Like I really believe that that's what that's what we're experiencing. That's why everything feels so messed up. It's cuz like our stranglehold of global power is now very tenuous at best and it's just like you can feel it. So I think that's that's what we're experiencing and as we kind of have our USSR moment where our our currency and our economy just eats shit. That's where you'll you'll see the truly dissident political leaders, probably on the right wing. Almost all of them will be on the right wing, of course. Uh, will will start to work towards you know peaceful secession, if it's not formal but informal. Uh, I think you know Florida, Tennessee, Texas, maybe um, like you said, Montana, and obviously New Hampshire. I think that we're going to have you know probably six or seven like safe spaces <laughs> to use sjw language
0: <laughs> yeah i'm i'm am wondering what you think about um how you view the russia ukraine conflict through this lens um whether it's like the the beginning of the war and why it started if you think that that's tied to it at all or if you think um like russia uh moving away from the dollar is connected to this at all do you think that the conflict fundamentally yeah. is tied to this issue or do you think that there's like um uh, the the conflict ex- itself was going to happen um but there just happens to be some relations i guess on the periphery
1: i mean it there's no doubt it plays a role like of course it plays a role the the number one import or ex- excuse me export for for russia basically like the primary driver for their economy is oil and gas that is very counter to the the true believer esg people um so there's no doubt that they they want to punish them for that but then You look at their relationship with countries like Saudi Arabia, very positive. So that doesn't explain it entirely. There is obviously, you know, geopolitical reasoning that we'll never know the truth about, but we can only hypothesize on. I think that uh, there's a lot to be said for, you know, wanting to pin down the two biggest threats, which is China and Russia, for from their worldview. I I don't think that it should be this way, but that's how our leadership views it. liberal world order so um i think that it's it's a dual front or a you know dual purpose war and there's no doubt that that the u.s involvement in ukraine was the catalyst for all this as well as nato obviously so i think that they wanted it and they got it and uh let's just pray we survive it yeah it almost seems like there might be
0: even three interests where some people are trying to defend the u.s dollar here and that's why they're partnering with saudi arabia but then like Wef yeah. people are like, well, we can take advantage of this and and we can take down both Russia and the US. Yeah, I don't
1: know. no, I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, that's, that's another, uh, as weird as it sounds, white pill in all this is that there are different sects uh, that are trying to, you know, implement their will and and work towards some sort of global dominance. China is also a competing interest that is trying to have some level of at least global autonomy, if not global dominance themselves. So um yes the, the the fact that Putin you know his uh, he was already working towards exiting the US dollar and and the fact that he he made the ruble backed by gold to some extent during the uh the early days of the invasion when all the sanctions hit like he knows he knows what time it is he knows what this game is it's like this is about defending the dollar and and its utilization of the of it in trade as the global reserve currency. Like there's no doubt that always plays a role in in all of our, our uh, militarism, but it's more complicated than that too.
0: Yeah. I, just to kind of finish up here, I am wondering if, uh, if you think that there are any leftists out there that, that there that are waking up to this, I mean, it does seem like our interests kind of converge where their definition of fascism, if there's like a Venn diagram, it's like what, all corporatism and all things that we would consider fascism like corporate uh government interests converging like they consider that fascist too it's just that they also kind of put in free market uh economics as fascism too so like in a in a sense we we can partner on this issue and i i wonder if you see any leftists waking up
1: to this yeah i mean they are but the the problem is is that their solutions are going to be counter to our interests um, because they're going to want to nationalize big business, you know, like that, and that's that's what we're fighting against is that these businesses have already been nationalized, if not, you know, globally nationalized or globally owned. I don't even know what to call that. Um, so I don't know that there's a a coalition to be found there. I'd have to give that more thought. I, certainly, you know, pushing back against the fraud that is ESG, like we could do that together. But we're going to end up fighting each other at the end because they are still true believers to a large extent in you know carbon uh, reduction schemes and things like that and carbon taxes and all this other stuff that we would absolutely despise so I don't know it'll be it, it would be a challenge but uh, I would certainly just encourage people on the left and right to realize that you you are under existential threat and it has nothing to do with carbon but rather the lie of you know trying to eliminate carbon production at all costs like it's it's going to whatever whatever evils you think it's going to present uh it'll be a thousand times worse (laughs) in reality if you allow global government schemes to try and alleviate it so i hope i hope that uh some people on the left that you know ultimately care about climate change because they think it's you know it's going to affect the poor and minority class the worst like i'm telling you your Your belief about saving one life when it came to lockdowns is the reason that you now see revolts all over the world and inflation skyrocketing and you have starvation that's now rampant. Like your belief system in this technic your faith in this technocratic elite that have the this ingenious capacity to remedy all that ails is flawed deeply. You need to reevaluate your priors. You need to, look in your soul and say, do I bear responsibility for the human suffering that's existing on the planet today that I, I claimed or I believe sincerely was going to assist the poor and the minority classes. Like, cause if you can, if you can do that, then you might be able to be reached. Um, time will tell if they'll actually be reached. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Just as a last question here. Um, wondering if you have any advice for people who might wanting to might want to leave the financial system or at least like safeguard themselves from it and then also um just if you have any like call to action or anything what what you think people should be doing like what should the average person be doing in their states
1: and yeah what can we do to help yeah i mean i i certainly i think diversifying your personal portfolio so that you have hard assets in case the, uh, the governments do decide to allow the dollar to go bust and, and migrate to a CBDC, you're going to need hard assets to weather that. But hard assets, I do not mean housing necessarily. I think housing is is already tipping over as I've been predicting for a couple of years now, and it's finally happening. You're seeing uh, price cuts and inventory increases. So I think that 2023 will be a very rough year for housing. So I would not encourage you to use housing as an inflation hedge. Personally, I could be wrong, obviously, because the Fed could you know, revert on their on their plan to continue with the interest rate hikes. In which case, all bets are off. We could enter a hyperinflationary phase. I really don't know. Um, but I think that if you haven't diversified into cryptocurrencies, into precious metals, into you know, and also having you know the capacity to produce your own food and things of that nature, you know, be just be more self sustaining, be less reliant on the banking system, be less reliant on the the supply chain. Like those are all things that you can do in your personal life. As far as what you can do. Uh, politically make sure that you only vote for people that that actually understand this stuff and there's very few of them so i think that would be a great campaign if someone wanted to just go around and educate you know the the new political class the, the the people that are like the america first types i don't think they understand this stuff not even close to as deeply as i do and i don't understand it as deeply as i would like to um so those people need to be reached like if you're going to have any hope of there being political solutions to this you need both federal level representatives that that can slow down this behemoth, but most importantly, state level politicians and hopefully governors that can really fight back because you're going to need them to fight back to to save your people in your state. So I think that that would probably be the the best I could uh, best advice I could give on the political level. And then obviously, if you're if you have any political leanings and you have the capacity to get into public office, if it's even on a city council or something to to try and because this 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 issue exists at city council levels i want people to understand that like it is pervasive it's almost everywhere now maybe not in your red state but you know trust me uh, i was in carlsbad like the, in, in california near san diego and it's like i my city council was you know so woke they were voting on you know basically banning all new construction which obviously hurts the poor the most because then they can't get into housing it makes housing skyrocket in value uh, they were, but simultaneously, they were, you know, actively voting to to stop, uh, you know, harassing the homeless that were overtaking the city there too. So, like when you look at at cities and states that are just being overran with homelessness and and drug addiction and things like that, like there is an ESG component with that stuff too. Uh, so, it's whatever level you can fight it, you got to fight it.
0: Yeah, I, I really think that that's the hope is that there's a. I mean, there is almost like this populist revolt going on at at local levels, like in especially in red states like Montana. It's almost like every single person you talk to who is politically aware and like slightly to the right um, seems to at least be tapped into, whether it's conspiracies that are motivating it, like they're at least aware that something weird is going on. And people are trying to resort back to like localism. And I mean, even during the last legislative session here in montana someone proposed a bill that would have nullified the usda and like allowed people to process beef um locally that would be, without having that to would go be through incredible exactly without having to go through like the major processing plants we could just do it here yeah. and they they did get some changes like people people can trade i think raw milk now um without anything like that um that's huge so i think it's just encouraging those people to go further and and I mean, the the biggest concern for a lot of these people is they're going to lose federal funding. But I mean, yep. my my argument is like, I'd much rather have a sustainable economy um, that is prosperous here, where we're actually eating
1: quality food that isn't being yeah. impacted by ESG policies. No, totally, man. I, I had uh, Texas Slim on my show. Unfortunately, his audio was screwed up, so I had to put it on my locals exclusively because... It just wasn't high enough quality, but the guy's doing incredible work with the the beef initiative. He's he's really drawing attention to all of this the oligopoly that exists within the uh, the meat processing plants. That's basically making it you know impossible for the small cattle producers as well as you know any sort of competitors to rise up in the processing arena. It's terribly dangerous, and it's in my opinion a hundred percent intentional. You know, if you control people's food supply, you can do whatever you want to them. Um, yes, I do sound like a conspiracy theorist to say it. No, I don't care. That's my belief. I believe that's what they're doing. So, um, I think it's it's really important that you know it, even even if you want to if you want to take a longer longer time horizon uh, solution mindset, then you know get involved with your your uh, your school council. Make sure that the curriculum for these kids is getting rid of this incredible like. You're you're having so many young people that have these terrible anxiety disorders. A big part of that is the fact that they all believe the world's going to end in ten years. You know that's not healthy to have your child in elementary school being told that your very existence is the reason we're all going to die. You know, like it's it's totally crazy and it's wrong. I might add. So um, I really hope that you know whatever whatever minor difference you can make. Obviously, you can homeschool your kids. You can do. You can do a lot of things. I mean, you can do a lot of things, but just like whatever you can do in your day-to-day life, talk to people about this, be honest about it, be open with it, share this episode, whatever it takes, you know, just like whatever little little bit you can do, we all do a little bit, all of a sudden we've done a big bit. Yeah, well,
0: I would just recommend everyone share this episode, like you said, give it a like. Um, also remember to subscribe and I'll link to our previous podcast so people can watch that too, where we talked a little bit more about um, the fundamentals in the economy right now uh but yeah if you want to just um let people know where they can find you and find your podcast sure. please do
1: and then we'll let you go it's at liberty lockpot on twitter i uh i'm 700 away from 50k so make sure you follow me there before i get nuked i'd really appreciate it. that'd be quite the milestone uh and then if you want to you know follow the show just search liberty lockdown on youtube spotify apple podcasts all over the place uh i am at One point, or excuse me, 125,000 downloads in the past 30 days, which is incredible. Uh, That's a new record for me. Uh, Tomorrow, I will be having Dave Smith back on the show, so that's always amazing. And then uh, September 4th, I will be having a debate on Trump's legacy between Dave Smith and Sticks Hexenhammer 666. They're both incredible uh, debaters, so it's going to be probably the biggest episode I've ever done. I will be the moderator, which is insane because I suck at moderating because I'm way too opinionated, but. It will be on Liberty Lockdown. Make sure you guys subscribe to Liberty Lockdown on YouTube and wherever your podcasters are at so that you don't miss it because it is going to be enormous. It's going to be fireworks. I cannot wait. Um, beyond that you know, tower gang or whatever, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I,
0: I was going to say, when when you mentioned that about Twitter, James Lindsay got banned. You got to, you have to like resist all the temptation of the tower gang people because you have to stay oh, on Twitter. I yeah. do,
1: bro. Believe me, I'm like the only one. I'm literally the only one. Left, right. So I have no choice. I have no choice just to to try and be our, our marketing arm is like, I have to be very, very cautious. <laughs> it's funny because I still, I mean, I still go very hard, but I, I just make sure I don't. I don't make any off-color jokes for the most part, and I, I just kind of keep it in my lane, like right up to the line, but not not <laughs> over. And you know, we'll we'll hope I can stay on there for a while because obviously it really does help get my message out there. I just I just got followed by, uh, God, I forgot his name all of a sudden. Who's the guy that replaced Rush Limbaugh on the radio? Um, oh, um, super super bass.
0: Let me look this up. It's not. i'll tell you clay
1: travis no no it's not him it is jesse kelly
0: oh that's right oh and yeah yeah, i mean his his post the other day about um saying sorry to all the Ron paul people that was huge yeah
1: Yeah, it was actually it wasn't it wasn't my reply on that um where i said okay we appreciate it now let's abolish the fbi too and he responded yes and everyone was like yeah this is awesome (laughs) um but uh it was actually a joke i made He, he posted a a video of this dude calling uh (laughs) because <laughs> his his like his right-of-way was being messed with by a bunch of people on bicycles and he kept going, you like you granola eating assholes. <laughs> saying that and I said, I said, put this guy in charge of uh homeless encampment cleanups, problem solved in 30, 30 days. That's what got Jesse Kelly to follow me, which is totally that's hilarious. awesome. Um, but obviously he's got a huge, huge audience. Millions of people listen to him every week. Uh, because he replaced Rush Limbaugh, it's like probably the biggest radio show out there. So I uh I I'm just very grateful to still have the platform i do that i can reach and and you know slowly allow our radical libertarian ideology to kind of infiltrate the the ether um and and it is working man it really is But
0: but yeah thank you so much for coming on the show um i appreciate it and we'll have to do it again yeah anytime brother